Thank you for taking time to listen to this message from New Life Community Church. We are located at 134 Lakewood Drive in Luling and invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 1030. Please visit our website at newlifeluling.com for more information on our ministries. We pray that this message will encourage you on your faith journey as you seek to live, understand, and share God's Word. Today's scripture comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, Make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you not look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Lord, take my words and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. As we discuss Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, I did a lot of research, and so I'm going to borrow some information from um, Dr. Troy Borst, who's a Bible college professor, he's a speaker, he's an author, he's the senior minister of Cincinnati Christian Church in Bloomfield, Indiana. I also looked at um, JesusWalk.com, and just, if y'all can only see my table when I'm writing a sermon, we don't need it at the table. <laughs> there are books spread out, there are numerous Bibles that are open, study Bibles, life application Bibles, I mean, several books. <laughs> And so as I began to study Philippians to provide the message, I felt like we need to understand the setting and what is going on and why was Philippians written and who wrote Philippians. So, and I forgot my Bible this morning, don't judge me. <laughs> so I turned to the front of the Philippians uh, chapter and I'm using my life application study Bible, which is uh, the New International Version. And it tells me that Paul has written 
but he's writing from jail. And he's writing this around 61 A.D. And so Paul has written to the Christians at Philippi, where he and his companions have begun a church. And it was the first church established on the European continent. And in the front of the, the chapter, it shows you a map so you can get used to kind of like where the area is and what he's talking about. And, and it also lists on you the major um, themes that he discusses in that book, in the Bible. So I, when I, every, anytime I start to write a sermon, that's kind of, you know, what am I reading about? Because to me, if you don't know what you're reading about, then how can you talk about it, right? So I use that to help me get a, a basis for the word. So after reading up on um, the Philippians and the beginning of the chapter and everything going on and all these major subjects, I've just come to realize that the Philippian church, it has problems. And, and it has problems with unity and with the humility that's required to achieve unity. And, I mean, if it didn't, then why was Paul spending so much effort writing about these issues? Our church today is also in need of unity and humility. Over 1,900 years later, we're still dealing with the same issues. Let that sink in. 1,900 years. We need to understand that following Jesus, it means following him as a servant who humbles himself or we will never truly, fully understand him. But what I really think that we should concentrate on are words that seem so insignificant. But when you put them together, they make this very powerful statement. And it really makes you think. And the statement is powerful because of the conditional nature of it. The two small words are if and then. And today's reading, it starts off with a word that is very small, just two letters. But it seems to be quite large work, quite a large word in the passage as it begins. That word if, it's repeated. And if you paid attention, it's repeated four times in verse 1. And I don't know about you, but um, through all of my schooling, any time that the teacher said the same word over and over again, you better pay attention. <laughs> so the reason that word if is so huge, even though it's only two letters long, is because of the condi conditional nature of it. If is a conditional word, and it leaves room for doubt. It's a conditional word that gives choice. That word if, it's also at the beginning and the middle of a whole bunch of statements that you and I, we know these by heart. So this is where you're going to participate today. So let's see if you know how these end. I'm going to call it the first half. You let me know the second half. Here we go. If it ain't broke. <laughs> If at first you don't succeed, if the shoe fits, 
If you're happy and you know it, thank you. <laughs> Here's another one. It's not up here. Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz said, with the thoughts you'd be thinking, you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. <laughs> you see, that word if is a small word, but can carry with it a pretty hefty meaning. In whatever statement we find it, it is a conditional word. And it's a word that calls us to question. It calls into question everything that comes after that little word. Or what is before it. So today, we're going to look at some of these if-then scenarios in this second chapter of Philippians. And verse 1 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. I mean, let's take these one at a time because those are some big if statements. Here's the first one. I've got to tell you that, you know, four ifs, I'm paying attention. So the first if statement. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. I think we all like to be encouraged when we take on some kind of task, right? Whether we're young or old, it feels good to know that someone is supporting us and what we are trying to do. By encouraging others, we can give them a boost that they need to feel confident in what they're trying to accomplish. Young toddlers, with the encouragement of their parents, they take their first step. You can do it! People taking on new ministries in the church feel support when someone pats them on the back and lets them know they are in the right place, using their God-given talents to bless others. And they do great things for God. We now have vegetables growing. We should find encouragement in the fact that we, who are believers, have hope and strength because of Jesus. The second if statement, if any comfort from his love. Once, during Queen Victoria's reign, she heard that a wife of a common laborer had lost her baby. And having experienced deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she called the bereaved woman one day and spent some time with her. And after she left, the neighbors began to talk, and they began to question, well, what did the queen say? And the lady replied, nothing. She simply put her hands on mine, and we silently wept together. Sometimes, it's not what we say or do. It's just being there for someone that gives them comfort in a difficult situation. But that simple action of being there is a powerful testament of what love is all about. Love is not a feeling. It is an action. 
And we are most comforted when we know someone genuinely cares enough to do something to help us. And they do something to help us during our trying times. Whether it's a letter, a card we mail, a phone call, a text, a visit, simply praying for them. All these are comforts. And they're all comforts not only to ourselves, but to others who need support. And one of the qualities that really defines our intimate relationship with God is his love for us. Jesus loved us. Jesus loved us. And and in the passage, he emptied himself in heaven and he came to us in a supreme act of love. He lived perfectly for us because he loved us. He died for us because he loved us. And all that was an expression of love that is meant to bring us comfort that we are always perfectly loved by God. We are perfectly loved by God. The third statement. If any fellowship with the Spirit. And what he's saying here is that fellowship is a sharing of common interest. It's goals. Goals. It's experiences. It's views. And we don't realize just how fortunate we really are as Christians. We, who are believers in Jesus Christ, are always connected to God. We are connected to God in a way that is brand new in human existence. Before Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and ascension, people had to rely on a priest to intercede. People were separate from God. People were rarely connected to God in a spiritual way. But because of Jesus and our faith in him, we now have the presence of God in us as the Holy Spirit. You and I are connected and in fellowship with God on a regular basis because of the presence of the Spirit. He is our power to overcome much in life. But we must learn. We must learn to want what the Spirit wants and be willing to do that, even if it means doing things that we become uncomfortable because of or have some level of fear because of. That spirit is going to move us and it's going to guide us through all those things. And because of these things, they are for our God and the building of his kingdom. They are worth doing. And they are worth doing right. Do you have any fellowship with the spirit? The fourth if statement. If any tenderness and compassion, a soft spirit and a kind heart. They are wonderful things. Things that one would expect are part of a person's character. And I don't know about you, but I've met some folks 
who just don't seem to care about anyone but themselves. And they only ever think about themselves, um, especially some of the drivers out there. <laughs> and as Christ's followers, though, we ought to have at least some, some tenderness and compassion towards others. And I feel that it should be something that becomes more and more a part of who we are and how we conduct ourselves each and every day. And think about someone, <clears throat> think about how someone will react to a professed Christian who has no feelings. They have no feelings for others. They don't care about your hurts and your sorrows. They could care less if someone they knew did not have anyone else to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ, who only thought of themselves and how they fared through this life. How sad and pitiful. A Christian who didn't care, it would almost be impossible. Or would it? How much tenderness and compassion have we shown to others lately? Paul, he asks us these if questions with a simple yet small caveat for each of them. If we have any of these things. He doesn't say you have to have them all, all the time, at 100%. If you have any of these things, just any, any encouragement, any comfort, any fellowship, any tenderness and compassion, if we have any of these, then, if is almost, if, the word if, almost always can be followed by then. If you do this, then that will happen. If you hit your thumb with a hammer, then you will experience pain. If you are this tall, you can go on that ride. If you commit a crime, you're going to do the time. But here's where the conditional statement has its power. Verse 2. If those things are true for you, then the rest of the passage applies to you. If those things are true for you, then what we are about to discuss is how your life should be because you fall into the, that condition and it applies to you and me. If those things don't apply to you, then the rest of the passage does not bear in any way on your life. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, then the rest of the passage is null and void. And what Apostle Paul is saying to us, then make my joy complete. If you have any of those things, then make my joy complete. And he doesn't leave it there. He tells you how. Make my joy complete. And here's how. By being like-minded. 
Now, Paul is not saying, and he's not appealing to some kind of politically correct think tank. Because he if you read Paul, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he recognizes that we are all given talents from God. And that all of our talents put together make up one body. But we all make up the many parts of the body. So we all have different things, but we have one goal. And Paul, you know... See, that's what happens when you go off script. You lose your place. <laughs> and so he, as Paul calls them to the same attitude of mind, the same humility, the same way of thinking about life and others, the same kind of selfishness, think the same when it comes to selfless humility. He says, having the same love. But what is love? It is the same love that God has for us. It's unconditional. It is all-encompassing. It will go to the great lengths to reach us. Will we do the same for, for each other? Will we do the same for those who are outside of this church. Being one in spirit and purpose. Sound familiar? We sing the song, we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. But do you really know what that means? If we are one, then we must act as one. We must have common goals and purposes. If we try to go out in a hundred different directions with no goal in mind, how will we ever accomplish anything? But if we focus on ourselves, and we focus our gifts and our talents, if we focus our purpose, we can accomplish great things. If we do the things that Paul has says, and Paul has says the joy will be complete. He's happy already with his church in Philippi. He is happy. But he knows that we have to stay on target. And so he wants to address these things so that their toolbox, you know, we all have tools that we use, tools of the trade, right? So we all have a toolbox. And, and um, I just believe that if we, as the church today, if we can work together with a common purpose, we will be happy. God will be happy. And this community will be changed for God's glory. And I don't know about y'all, but I feel like that was a sermon in and of itself right there. <laughs> and we just made it through two verses. <laughs> But you can't stop yet. We've got to do verse 3 and verse 4 because these are very important conditions and they apply to the if-then statements that we just discussed. So the next two verses, they're like the consonants. Verse 3 is about humility. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
but in humility consider others better than yourselves. What does that mean? Selfishness is not a quality that characterizes God. It shouldn't characterize God's people either. And at times, we are selfish. But overall, our motivating character should be humbleness. Humility and thinking about others. An attitude that we are all about ourselves for our... An attitude that we are all about ourselves for ourselves is not the kind of people we should be. And Paul describes for us that as a result of the presence of Christ in our lives, we will think of others before ourselves. We will be humble. We will seek the best for others around us. We will often do what is best for others before we do what is best for ourselves. And I want to give you an illustration here. I'm going to go off and give you a little story. Once in a lovely garden lived the most beautiful butterfly in the world. She was so pretty. She had won so many beauty contests that she had become vain. So much so that one day the cheeky cockroach got fed up with her showing off and decided to teach her a lesson. She went to see the butterfly and in front of everyone... She told her that she wasn't really that beautiful and that if the butterfly won the contest, it was because the jury had been bribed. And in reality, the cockroach was the most beautiful. The butterfly was furious, and with laughter and disdain, she told the cockroach, I'll beat you in any beauty contest with whichever jury you choose. Okay. I accept. See you on Saturday, answered the cockroach, without waiting for a reply. So that Saturday, everyone, everyone went to the beauty contest, the butterfly arriving completely confident and victoriously until she saw who was on the jury panel. Cockroaches and worms and beetles and gnats. All of the judges preferred the creepy crawliness and bad smell of cockroaches which easily won the contest. That butterfly, she left. She left sobbing and humiliated, wanting never to enter another beauty contest in her life. Fortunately, the cockroach forgave the butterfly for her vanity, and they became friends. Sometime later, the butterfly even won the humility contest. <laughs> Verse 4, it calls us to selfless love. It says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. The second area that Paul mentions, it should be affected. And it's our commitment to serve others. If we are someone who lives our life in Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ in mind, if we rely on God for comfort and hope in this life, and if we enjoy and are blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if our character is motivated by God and his way of life, then we will be people who serve. And serving others 
is at times an essential part of the Christian life. And sometimes it gets left out in the cold. And as Christians, we are called to have certain phrases running around in our heads, and they guide us. Love one another. Love our neighbors as ourselves. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Look first to the interest of others. Serving is at the heart of who we are in Christ. We are servants of our family, our neighbors, co-workers, enemies, frenemies, and fellow believers with our relationship with God in view. And in the Bible, serving means to render any kind of service, and often it means to minister. How do we do that? What should be our attitude about serving? Serving firstly is somewhat is something we must choose. Serving firstly is something we must choose. I think there's something about Jesus that we often we often do not think of. Perhaps in the end. And we don't understand it fully. See, before Jesus was born of Mary, Jesus was God. He was in fullness God. He is God. And God decided to come down to earth in the form of Jesus. Talk about looking out for the interest of others. There's the prime example. And y'all, I haven't forgotten about verses 5 through 11. But what you have to understand is verses 5 through 11, they're a song that was sung at that time. So I'm just going to reread them. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in a, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And before we leave today, here is the challenge put before us by Philippians chapter 2. The challenge that if we are believers in Jesus Christ, then we will, re we will reflect certain characteristics of Jesus Christ in our lives. If we do not, there are goals for us as we work out our salvation and as we pattern ourselves after what God has commanded in the Bible. What are the two emphases that Paul makes based on the example of Jesus? Humility. Are you a humble person who thinks of others before yourself? 
Do you look to the interest of others and seek to love them? Have you done something lately that was completely selfless and serving others? Do you look for ways to serve the people around you? Do you look for ways to put others first before yourself? Do you meet at least one need someone has per day? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that I have received in Christ. Thank you for your love and the consolation that, is, that it brings. Thank you for your grace and your compassion and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that I am accepted in Christ and part of the heavenly company that has received life eternal by faith in Christ. I pray that together we may live in spiritual unity and godly harmony, being of one mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose, which is to be increasingly transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, to his praise and glory. Amen. Please stand.